This podcast is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. Good morning and welcome to our podcast. We are joined today by Mike Vauhaus, a member of the Byron Center Protestant Reformed Church and a writer of a series of articles called Bible Obscurities. Mike writes these articles for his church newsletter, and several of them have been printed in other publications, such as The Beacon Light, a monthly magazine for young people and young adults. Mike is also on the writing staff for Ignited by the Word, a children's magazine in which he focuses his writings on Bible and church history topics for the 6th to 8th grade age group. Today we are going to begin a series of four episodes with Mike in which we will be discussing some of his Bible obscurity articles, both the historical aspects and the spiritual applications we find in each one. The topic of today's episode is the gospel reaching far and wide. Today we see this relevant around the world as we see Christians unashamedly proclaiming God's name even in the face of persecution. Saints in Myanmar, India, China, the Middle East, and more, where we might think the word of God is not present. God is making clear to us that his word and his saints are truly everywhere and found in every nation. This has been true all throughout history, and today we discuss that truth as it is seen in the apostles' time. Today we look at an example from Acts 8 about a person mentioned only once in the Bible named Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Mike, could you give us an explanation of who she is? Well, good morning. First of all, thank you for allowing me to participate in your podcasts. I appreciate your interest in these topics, and I look forward to discussing these with you. You know, when I started writing these articles, I always had a certain direction that I thought I was going to head down. But once I started looking more into obscure people or places, it always took a turn somewhere and took me to a place where I didn't think I was going to go. And this is a great example of that. We read of Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians in Acts 8. So I was expecting someone named Candace ruled in a country called Ethiopia. But in fact, neither of those are actually true. First of all, Ethiopia, when mentioned in the Bible, does not specifically refer to the country of Ethiopia that we mean today. The word Ethiopia in the Bible comes from a Greek word that means burnt skin. So it generally refers to people south of Israel and Egypt into Africa with darker skin. The country that this person ruled is actually called Nubia, which is about 1,500 miles south of Jerusalem and is actually the country north of where the Queen of Sheba ruled a thousand years earlier. So Nubia is the country in which this Candace ruled, but her name was not actually Candace. It's actually a title that means queen regent or queen mother or royal woman. It was used as a term similar to how we would call somebody a pharaoh or a Caesar. It was a title of authority. Her name is actually Amantatare. That just flows right off the tongue, Amantatare. And she ruled from 10 to 41 AD. 
So Candace Amantatare was the queen of Nubia, and she had a person in her royal palace that we know as the Ethiopian eunuch. He was actually what we would consider her minister of finance or secretary of the treasury. For in Acts 8.27, we read, he had the charge of all her treasure. So that's kind of the geographical and historical background to what's going on in Acts 8. So in Acts 8, as you just brought up, we read of that Ethiopian eunuch. We also read of God's providentially leading him and Philip to meet. And as you said, the connection there would be that he was a higher up under Candace. Why was the eunuch going to Jerusalem or why was he in Jerusalem to begin with? Well, he would be considered a God-fearer which means that he believed in the Jewish God, but had not gone through rituals such as circumcision or baptismal cleansing to become an official Jew. So he had taken the 1,500-mile journey north in his chariot to go to the Passover in Jerusalem. So when you read of the court of the Gentiles and the temple complex, that's as far as people such as the Ethiopian eunuch could go. They could go and worship, but they could not get in any farther. That was reserved for the Jews. So as a God-fearing Gentile, he was limited to the court of the Gentiles. We read in Acts 8 of his struggling to understand a scroll he was reading, and that would be of Isaiah. First of all, what is the significance of him even having a scroll, especially considering he's from a, a country 1,500 miles south of Jerusalem? Well, that shows that the word of God and the belief of the Jewish God goes wherever God pleases it to go. We can think that the worship of God may have began in that area a thousand years earlier when the Queen of Sheba returned home from visiting Solomon in Jerusalem. She may have been converted and brought the word and worship of God back to Sheba. So the word of God was in that area this whole time. Obviously, even in the royal court of Candace. Now, we don't know a ton of what actually went on in Nubia during this time, but we can tell a lot of the country just by certain things that we notice in the Ethiopian eunuch. First of all, he had a chariot that could go 1,500 miles both ways. That shows some wealth. He had his own scroll. He was able to speak to Philip in Greek. That shows this wasn't some backwards country, that there was higher education there, there was culture there, there was wealth there. Most importantly, the fear of God was there, even in Candace's court. So that tells us a lot about Nubia at this time. We read that the eunuch left with much rejoicing. I think that tells us a great deal of the love of the word of God that he had in his heart. It also, to me, points 
to the fact that even though he had 1,500 miles to go, there's no reason to believe that he did not bring this word back with him to, as it were, reinstate or reinforce that word as we would think the Queen of Sheba did. Now, 2,000 years later, what is the state of that country today? Well, the Nubia of Bible times is now the Republic of Sudan, one of the largest countries in Africa, but also one of the most persecution on Christians. Sudan is about 93% Muslim and only about 5% Christians. But according to publications such as Open Doors and Christianity Today, Suzanne is, Sudan is often in the top 10 nations of the world in Christian persecution. The word of God exists in Sudan today, even if it's a very small minority who are persecuted. But the word of the Lord will stand forever, even in a nation like the Sudan, where people's lives are at risk. In a country where we might think the word of God is not present, that it certainly is. Even though you make the comparison of Nubia and the eunuch and 2,000 years ago their desire for the word compared to today where certainly it is not as desired and loved but the 5% of those who are Christian and who are persecuted love that word. That word is despised and yet even in those areas where the bulk of populations hate God and his word, there God desires to dwell even if it is with just a small portion of people. God's word is widespread over his creation, and it is in all corners of the earth. Everywhere is God praised, even if only by one or two. There is no way that man will stop God's word from going out and there's no way that man will stop God's word being desired and loved by his own. What a glorious God that we have. I want to go back to one thing about the eunuch. Think about what his knowledge of God was on the way north. And think of what that knowledge turned to when he went back home. Before he met Philip, all he knew was there was a God to be worshipped. Once the, Philip explained Isaiah 53, can you imagine how illumined the eunuch's mind was? That there not only was a God, but there was a Savior that saved him from his sins also. That's the gospel that went back to Nubia when he arrived back home. That reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible. That's very fitting for this discussion today. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing where to I sent it. We thank you for your time today, Mike. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you very much. I appreciate you allowing me to do this.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hope PR Ministry Podcast. We are a part of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, and we are located in West Michigan. Our goal is to spread our distinctive Reformed beliefs. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at hoperwc at gmail.com and visit our website at hopeprchurch.org if you would like to learn more about our beliefs. You can also worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m.